On this episode of AV Week, we take a look at the annual Avixa Award winners. Steve Durkee takes over as the president of LeGrand AV and designing your campuses, whether or not they're opening up or doing everything online. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 457, recorded Friday, May 22nd, 2020. Certain Uncertainty. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by FSR. And by Just Add Power. The global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information uh, this week. Uh, I used to call him the left-hand side of my brain. I'm not sure if he wants that insult anymore, uh, but his name is George Tucker. Uh, and How are you, sir? I'm glad to be here. Great to see everybody on this uh, holiday weekend. Absolutely. And uh, George comes to us from Yonkers. Uh, Dawn Mead, also a member of the Aviation uh, team, can't tell you where she works, but she is somewhere in the Maryland, uh, D.C. area. How are you, madam? Very good, thank you. And if you're trying to guess where I work, that's a big clue. <laughs> but there's a lot of companies there. I mean, you could work for a VIXA, for crying out loud. You don't, well, but... But I could the tell NRA. you if I worked for a VIXA. Dawn works for the NRA. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Last but not least, she doesn't. It was a joke. Todd Hutchins, a uh, new guy here uh, from USIS. Uh, welcome, sir. Thank you very much. I say new guy. Tucker and him go way back. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the odd man out here. So uh, we're doing something different this week. Uh, if you're watching, if you're not watching the video and, and you've ever wondered, uh, this is how the actual background of, of, of the new studios. So uh, when the process uh, soundproofing, and so they took down my green screen, and I'm like, you know what? Let's let's try it. So eh, if, I might keep it this way. Um, we we do have carpenters kind of building an, an actual set, so that the, the green screen may be going away for a while. First story uh, actually comes to us from our website. Steve Durkee uh, is the new president of Lagrand AV. Uh, Steve's been around. Milestone, well, he's been around LeGrand Milestone and before that chief for about 16 years. And he took over officially Monday uh, of this. LeGrand has gone over, gone through an, a, a pretty decent, uh, significant evolution uh, over the last four or five years. And I say LeGrand, it's, it's LeGrand and Milestone and, and Chief. Those, those brands, not just the ones up in Minnesota, but also all of them that have kind of gotten put under that. Don, I'm going to start with you, both from the, the, the integrator standpoint, but also the end user. Shifts like this, what sort of things do you as, as an end user, but also as a former integrator, look for when, when leadership change happens like this? Well, I mean, you want to make sure from either side of the fence that there is a good continuity of their business going on when there's, when there's a significant shift, whether it's a new boss for the company or whether it's just a new leadership team or a new head of a particular sector or, or product. Um, you know, we're looking for just consistency in relationships, 
uh, you know, is I'm sure the integrators are freaking out and saying, oh my God, are our terms all going to be the same? Or are, are we still going to have access to everything? Is it still going to work the same way with this guy as opposed to that guy? Um, I mean, from the end user front, we're a little bit more distant from that. So, you know, we have, might have our integrators freaking out on that, on that point. But for us, as long as the, the company or the corporation is still providing the great quality services that we're looking for, um, changes like this, if, if they're executed well, sort of don't hit in our world. We just, we still get our products. We still get them easily. And, you know, it's when they come in and start changing everything from the name of the company to how they deal with their integrators, things get a little problematic. I'm not looking at anyone in particular, especially not in Texas. Um, But they changed it back from Panja. I knew they did, but at that time I was an integrator and it was very traumatic. Tip of the spear. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it was traumatic for our end users. I was an integrator then and I'm sure our end users were like, no, we wanted an AMX panel. You gave me a Panja panel. You know, but that bit of history notwithstanding, as long as there is the continuity in branding, in business and in follow through uh, as an end user, it, it doesn't really hit home for us. Mr. Tucker, Don hit, uh, hit on when we got the chance to talk to him on Monday. And, and that is the consistency of leadership, right? Uh, he has been with Scott Gale for 16 years. Uh, Steve made the, made the point of saying that he and Scott were, were, in, were hired two weeks separate from each other, so two weeks apart. They are, you know, two peas in a pod, obviously, because people are different in individuals. But they both kind of grown up in the industry together. They both grown up in the in the company together. Not a whole lot of change when it comes to leadership styles or management styles. But there is going to be a certain change when it comes to his focus, as well as is where he takes the company. Not necessarily where he takes the company, but where his focus is and who he surrounds himself with to focus more on the residential side. Because Scott was the residential kind of focus and, and uh, Steve really focused on, on the commercial. When it comes to, you know, this, you know, folks like uh, other leaders inside LaGrange should be able to step up and say, you know, I, I can do that. You know, we, we can kind of go down this road and, and other leaders inside the company should be able to kind of rise. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things, the points uh, he makes in, in, the, in the interview is that about uh, further uh, refining the alignment of the products across their different product lines, right? They do furniture, they do the racks, they have this gear. Really looking for people to step up in any transition of a company, you want those folks to be able to take charge and not necessarily radically change how you're doing business, but advance it in a way that optimizes both the I'm doing some uh, PR speak here mostly, but you want to optimize, right? Optimize for the client and take for yourself. You know, yeah, take a drink, everybody. Um, <laughs> and so that alignment across brands, I think, is a very interesting thing. You've had these separate things. They've sort of said, here's a little rack that fits under our desk that, hey, we kind of make kind of stuff. But I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to how they further integrate those things. And I, I, I have some ideas of what that might be, but I, Maybe it's more integration. Maybe it's more um, all-in-one packages, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. And we'll see where that goes. But yeah, definitely. Everybody's going to step up and we'll, hopefully we'll see some good stuff from that. 
Todd, uh, Mr. Tucker makes uh, a very good transition here for me because that's where I was going with you. When it comes to the integration part, one thing that Legrand has done well is integrate all their parts and pieces. Um, a number of years ago, you know, they brought in uh, Middle Atlantic, and then when they bought Milestone, it was it was quite interesting. And both from a a, a standpoint of you know a number of of Legrand brands are underwriters of Aviation, right? These are the folks who help us financially. So we had an interest in, in that side, but also somebody who is, has used their product in the, in the past it was interesting to see Chief and Middle Atlantic specifically, right? You can, you, we, can, we can part and piece you know, uh, some of the other ones together, but those two companies specifically and the way that their engineers and their, their product marketing team, their product engineers have kind of got together and really integrated and in, in leveraged the strengths of each other to create some pretty remarkable and pretty unique uh, products, I, th I think is, is a testament to them and also testament to the, to the uh, leadership. But when you look at this as an integrator and you say, you know, to, to Tuck's point, you're gonna look at what these folks are gonna be able to bring and, and what, what Steve's gonna be able to bring specifically going forward to a kind of more a complete holistic package. Is that something that's attractive to you as an integrator, you know, getting more and more gear and more and more products from an integrator, or do you still want to kind of part in piece, you know, I want to get this from this company and that from that company? Well, you know, the interesting thing about it is I've always used both of those manufacturers as my, my key go-tos. So the fact that they're coming together is actually very helpful for me. And, and both of them have always in the past kind of listened to everything that integrators had to say. So we're looking for this particular piece. We can bring things to the engineering departments and say, hey, listen, can you develop a product for this? And I think that, um, by working under Steve's you know, helm here, that's only going to improve the whole process. He's been there for a long time, and I don't see that changing in terms of you know the leadership. Um, you know, gives opportunity for someone else to rise to the occasion. You know, someone can be creative, come up with some some new ideas. You know, bring some other uh, some other uh, valuable input to the table. But both both of those brands have always been our key go to brands. All right, uh, guys, come, our next story comes to us from our friends over at AB Network uh, and Edgewire. Uncertain when campuses can open, colleges make their fall plans flexible. This comes to us from Education uh, Dive. Um, depends on where you are. And Tucker, I'm going to start with you on this uh, from a number of different reasons. But in talking with two different folks this week, one is our buddy Joe Way uh, from USC. The U.S., the, the, the UC system, the University of California uh, system, they are uh, not having classes in the fall. They are, they are going online. The university, the, the, the California college system, I don't want to see if I say this right, the California university system is not having classes. The California college system is giving folks the option. It's, it's going to be a hybrid method. So you, you, when you sign up for classes, you have to say, yes, I want to, I want to take online classes or I want to be in person or I want a hybrid model, meaning I'm going to be there, but I want the ability to take classes online. Whereas you've got Notre Dame, uh, who is, is more in my, my neck of the woods, completely online, completely in person, right? They're opening their campus. They're inviting students in. It, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're going for it. Um, there are going to be options, but they're going with a on-campus first. And a number of other colleges are doing the same thing. One thing that this, this crisis has taught us, George, is that, number one, uh, we have a supply chain issue, uh, not just in, the, in this country, but in the world, right? Where uh, China was the first, first country hit with this. This is where we get a lot of our, our chips and our, our semiconductors. 
they that disrupted the supply chain and then it hit the u.s and then it hit europe and then it, you know first it hit you know it, it came kind of you know east to west as it's hitting um other parts of the world and education is going online and work is going online everybody's like i need a webcam right i need a, I need a microphone i need the ability to to do this online and suddenly it was you know there was a supply issue so as we kind of have two or three months here where different co different colleges and different universities are attacking this in a different way, is that going to help the supply chain or is it going to be you know, still where as of yesterday, we were trying to get some for, for lead time on that was six weeks, right? So does that help at all? Or is it just, you know, kind of push, kick the can down the road two or three months? What's well, a hard one because I don't think any of the AV slash IT infrastructure parts of education were ready for any of this. Yeah. They've been talking about doing it for months. And if you listen to our education show, they've been hammering on about stuff like that. Uh, there were some supplies, I believe, for to do that. But see, the infrastructure is, first of all, I found from personal experience with both gear and personal items that they claim to say it'll take till June and you get it a week and a half to two weeks before they even say it's going to show up. Right. I had a, um, my new light, my new uh, fill light, my key light, uh, said it was going to be here two weeks from now. I'm using it right now. And on Amazon, it still says shipping. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's a supply chain issue, but it's not nearly as bad as we suspect. It's just been backlogged. And what we know as our on-time delivery has not been quite as fast as we want it. So I think the supply is there. I think there was a backlog of inventory prior. And we, as if we know anything from Francisco in Los Angeles uh, with the ports, there's a lot of boats there and they're offloading them as fast as they can. There's a lot of merchandise there. And I would suspect a good deal of it is high tech AV ish, even if it's off over the shelf or off the shelf uh, consumer type goods, it's there. Yeah. I haven't had a problem getting anything. I've gotten hard drives, webcams, uh, adapter systems. I mean, I haven't had a problem. We, at the company I work for, Sound Associates, we are doing virtual choirs because we do a lot of work with uh, houses of worship and a lot doing webcam or web streams. Anyway, we got the stuff we needed fairly quickly. So it didn't seem to be a problem. Todd, as you're talking with your clients and they're gearing up for what would have been and what probably is summer upgrade se season, how are they adjusting? Uh, to this, to this new, um, this new trajectory, trajectory, uh, as they look ahead to the fall and what what may or may not be an unusual semester. I think they're still trying to find their way. I think each each group is is really trying to find their way with this. And I think when the online courses is going to take some of the admissions away, and maybe there's the financial aspect of this as well, that, you know, tuitions, things like that will go down and that may foster some more business maybe in building. I'm not quite sure how that's going to affect it. Um, my corporate clients, uh, you know, they're still starting to come back. It's just starting now. You were talking about supply chain issues earlier. I will say that I was at ISE and just after ISE, I noticed there was a supply chain issue. We haven't been buying a lot of equipment since then, but I'm not really anticipating any issues right now. I mean, as we start gearing up and get going, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna be okay with that side of it. All right, very good. Don, uh, a couple different areas I wanted you to touch on. First of all, from the corp, from the corporate and the, and the end user corporate area, uh, but also from you know one of those Fortune 500 workers 
Um, Dawn is in a unique position, and I'll let her talk to as much as she wants to about it, but she's been working from home prior even to, to the COVID crisis. So talk for a second about what your company, what companies like yours is doing. Don't name it because both of us will get, you know, sued. Uh, but uh, <laughs> also, yeah, at best, uh, or, or also, you know, what's it like working from home and what are your prospects for going back? Well, you know, looking at that front, um, our company in particular, and we are very large worldwide, um, has done a really good job at having both the AV and the IT teams ramping up the work from home ability for most of the staff. I happen to have had shoulder surgery and was working from home since Thanksgiving, but, you know, I had my laptop and files with me. I was ready to go, but I was ready to go for a short period of time, and I didn't do things like bring home my company-approved external webcam because, you know, sitting here on my personal laptop, I've got an integrated webcam. We cannot have integrated webcams at all on our company laptops. And the ones that we plug into the USB or whatever to use have to be vetted and have a whole lot of paperwork behind them saying they're allowed. Um, my blessed, as it were, webcam is sitting locked in my office down 40 miles away so, or 20 some, you know, however long away. So I, I haven't been able to have that face-to-face -face interaction with my coworkers. Um, as an aside, also being working from home three months before everyone had to work from home, I miss people a whole lot. I warn everybody when I see you in person, professional or not, I'm hugging you because just my God, seeing people. But um, the, the ability of, of our company to ramp up quickly to the new paradigm of as many people as possible working from home or working remotely, I'm actually very impressed with how quickly that happened. And being part of the team within the company, you know, I don't work with our company's customers. All of our customers are internal customers. Uh, my customers are my company. And um, in that regard, our team and the IT team have been doing a great job. And thankfully, the leadership recognizes that. Um, we are starting to phase back in to in-person work. We are starting to let people come back into the office in limited numbers so that we can maintain the social distancing and so forth. Our state is still pretty restricted on who can come in. Um, now, that said, our whole entire company is considered essential and have been working all along, but only the people that physically needed to be there to flip switch or otherwise do were. Now we're starting to bring back some of the other workers that have been working remotely, phasing them in, and we're still working with how can we manage the space requirements, the distancing requirements, and the health and safety aspect of it. But um, for, for the most part, I think it's been an interesting challenge for those of us that are on the AV and IT teams in companies that are large like this. Um, it's definitely been a period of scrambling, making sure we had approved webcams, approved laptops. In some cases, I know the IT team had to bless them taking home towers because they did not have laptops and could not get them of the appropriate time in time. And so then there's a whole new procedure for getting that approved. Um, you know, it, it, it's a challenge, but I think we've handled it pretty well. Not good. And we'll see how we come out of this. I, I, I think it's going to be a fairly smooth transition getting back in there. And I, for one, kind of can't wait because I miss humanity. Uh, <laughs> but I will say this. I was going to say to the point that Todd and, and George brought up with supply chain, again, that's something that falls under my purview and my team's purview as the heads of AV working in that corporate environment. 
it was up to us to warn, even if our integrators, like our Todds and our Georges and our whoever's, even if they didn't tell us there was going to be a supply chain issue, it was our responsibility to know, hey, this is going on in the industry, keeping track of where there are slowdowns, what products are running low, and notifying our project managers, our facilities people that are in the middle of build outs, in the middle of retrofits and new builds, you know, you need to adjust your timeline by this amount as a cushion against any blowback from this ongoing issue. So it's a matter of staying educated and staying nimble and trying to stay ahead of things. Yeah. I, I do mention the, one of the stories we had pulled and I, I don't have a, a, a whole long conversation about it, but uh, our friends over at AV Magazine had po- had put a picture, uh, a, a article together about Twitter telling all of their employees they could work from home forever. And uh, it was quotes you know, forever. And um, I find it interesting the fact that there are, and I, I've said this before, both publicly and privately, there are certainly people who absolutely can do this, right? They can absolutely work from home. And there are other people who just flat out can't, right? Yeah, Tucker could go to Antarctica and be fine, you know, um, and, and work from there as long as he had an internet connection. Um, and a, I do it now. Phones. I mean, I, I mostly work from home even before being quarantined and, so yeah, I mean, working from home is easy for me. I do, I'm sales, I call people, I make quotes. And when I do need to go out, I go out. I mean, sometimes it's down the block and sometimes it's Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is what I just got back from before everything shut down. So, which was a yeah. really cool trip just for the record. If you're, it was a really cool trip all of it all. So. Yeah. I'm worried about those folks who are doing Harry Potter there. That's what we were doing. So, yeah. but you can work from home. Definitely. Uh, that interaction, as Dawn said, is essential, but I have found that through Zoom and through phone calls and through other stuff, it is more than possible to acclimate to work from home and to maybe say one day a week we meet together. And that's what I'm looking forward to is even when it comes back, New York State's going to say no more than so-and-so people in a certain space. And our offices are very tiny. So I'm I'm like, I'm happy to be here. It's fine. I'll go there once a week, say hello and go home. It doesn't bother me at all. I think that's the part that's actually going to, is going to drive some of the, um, evolution of the workspace is, is that, you know, there, there are certainly going to be some people that, that choose to work from home, but they will have to go in for a certain amount of time and that will adjust the look and the feel of, of the, the modern workspace. And I work more actually at home. I work probably 15 hour days, not, which is why I want an office. Yeah. Well, well and to be fair, you know, even when I was working from home because of the shoulder, not because of the COVID, you know, I was able to tell them, hey, I know that there is a 5 to 10% part of my work that involves me coming and being there in person. Let me know if you need me there in person. I can get there even before I was clear to drive. I can, you know, Uber. I know how to, you know, call my ex-mother-in-law and say, hey, give me a ride down to the office. You know, things like that. There are occasions when you have to work from home. There are some people at my company that they're the ones that make and do and build and other things I can't talk about, they physically have to be there. They, you know, and, and I think it's going to be that way everywhere. You know, salespeople, sometimes management, uh, even sometimes receptionists for different integrators, different manufacturers, different end users. Yeah, they could probably work from home. Engineers, I, you know, I send my computer with my CAD and my Photoshop and my whatever, and I don't have to be in the office to do that. I can be in here in my PJ pants and doing that. But it's the folks that are pulling the cable that are putting on the ends that are hanging the things that are troubleshooting or setting it up for the CEO or vice president that's going to be meeting in there. 
you know, the people that actually have to physically touch, they're going to need to physically touch. So I think that evolution is, depends what you do. Twitter, they don't actually have a physical product anywhere. So they can all work from home. That's, they that's something they even had an office. <laughs> wow. It's, you know, it's a Silicon Valley company. They have to have an office somewhere on Fleet Street or whatever that's the biggest true. street is. And they're in New York. West well, they're in New York. Yeah, they're everywhere. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Last story here comes to us uh, from our friends over at Commercial Integrator. And it's just the fact that, that um, Avixa has announced their annual uh, Avixa <laughs> awards. Uh, several here. Um, uh, Jonathan Braun uh, from Braun Consulting wins uh, Educator of the Year. So, congratulations to him. A couple of things I want to I want to point out here. Number one um, is is there's two awards. One is the Emerging Talent Award, uh, which is is relatively new, which I think is fantastic. Um, and the other one is the Design uh, Event Design of the Year Award. Uh, won by Meredith Francis, uh, senior creative producer with Black Oak Technical Productions. Uh, Todd, we'll start with you on this. These are uh, have been around for, for quite a while, and each year or so, they seem to add a part and piece to, to the, the whole fabric of the industry, right? Um, not only whether it's the young AV professional, it's the the uh, um, Women in AV um, Award, now it's the event producer or the experience. Um, what do awards like this not only say about the individuals winning it, but also about where we are as an industry? Well, I'm always intrigued by the pioneer uh, AV awards and also the, uh, the young professionals, um, because it's kind of a way for me to kind of look at, you know, where we've come from and where we're going to, yep. you know, you look at the, there's, there's a common bond between them being creativity, you know, very unique in, in what they bring to the table. And I see that, you know, they're all kind of, in, in, the, in the case of the pioneer, they've kind of paved the way for the young professionals, young professionals being creative and kind of generating their own, their own path. And um, I think it's, it's an interesting thing to kind of witness, you know, to see that this coming uh, throughout the uh, industry. John, same kind of question is, is, where does it mean the fact that we're not only recognizing that, as, as Todd said, both the, the pioneers, the folks that have been doing it longest, the, the young up and coming, the women that are doing it, the CTS holder of the year. Uh, these are folks that, that have dedicated, you know, not only time and talent, but also blood, sweat and tears to this industry. Um, I think it's something that, that speaks to our industry well in that we're established enough as an industry that we can look at the whole picture and see these, you know, beacons of, of competence, beacons of inspiration, beacons of, you know, potential and to recognize them in a fashion um, on the international level with an Avixa award, I think is fantastic. Um, I love the fact that the emerging award this year was won by a young woman. You know, she isn't, you, you can't say she was just foisted off in the token, okay, women with AB awards kind of thing. It's like, she actually is a young student interested in our field, looking forward to coming into our field and she's already making a mark at her young age. Um, you know, and, and Todd mentioned the contrast between the emerging awards, Young AV Awards, and the Pioneer Awards. While the Pioneer Award winners were both men this year, it is worth noting it is the Adele DeBerry Pioneer Awards, named for great woman of AV, Adele DeBerry, who founded the Silver Screen. So, um, you know, I think it speaks to our industry that, A, we're established, we are a legit industry that can spend the time and the energy to recognize these people and inspire others through their awards to try to achieve. You know, a, a young woman will see 
uh, Ms. Guzman for winning this award and say, you know, maybe I could go into that field or, or a young guy seeing, you know, the CTS holder of the year and saying, that would be cool. I should get my CTS and see if I could win that someday. Um, you know, it's not just a male female thing, but I think it does also speak to the fact that we are a diverse field. We are a diverse industry. I've said for years, even though we're desperately male now dominated, like all STEM fields, we're the most female friendly STEM field uh, out there. And so, you know, the fact that we're recognizing that through our awarding and honoring process is great. You know, just my two cents. Mr. Tucker, last word on this. Uh, what is this? What are these awards and, and the types of awards, plus the ones that are winning them? What does it say about the AV industry? Well, that it's getting more diverse uh, and that we're also recognizing uh, some of the innovations that people have done before us. As you know, we and I have had long discussions about the history of this innovation of these technologies that we use is a very interesting one indeed and goes back into the 1900s, for God's sake, 1800s. Uh, but I was particularly um, excited to see uh, Mr. Howes from Community, who was one of those early developers of sound systems that gave you that depth and loudness of, um, of speakers in a live environment without blowing your ears out all the time. I was able to you know, develop a system that really was, was leaps and bounds against what we were doing beforehand. Uh, and I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to see that he's getting some recognition, as well as uh, Meredith Francis, the one from Black Oak about production design. That's another thing that from the industry that I mostly come from, that we spent a lot of time, the Evixa thing is about experiential and what's more experiential than live events, whether it's a corporate ballroom, uh, a breakout sales system or live concerts, that kind of production and that kind of design really is essential to getting everybody in the audience involved as well as the performers. If it's not right, they're not going to feel it and they're not going to give their best. And I like seeing that happen. It's, it's, it's a great thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to point out something that, that I, I find fascinating is um, something that, that Dawn said about, about the, the, the AV industry being accommodating to women and um, something that, that I want to applaud is the fact that two women that won, that won this. One is Sarah Becker. Um, she's uh, with AV Collaborations. She's a CTSD and a CTSI. Melissa mm -hmm. Ross from AVISPL, they, they herald her as the most certified woman in AV. Now, Dawn, I have a challenge for you. I knew this was coming. I want you to beat her. Uh, <laughs> I am nothing against Ms. Ross. I think she's a fantastic, I, I don't know her. I'm sure she's a fantastic person, but I, and now, I, now, now I have something for Dawn to do. Uh, no, Ross is uh, an HD master installer uh, certifications in networked AV design uh, and commissioning. She has Crestron certifications, AutoCAD, Revit, and a whole ton more. So, yeah. Well, for what it's worth, Melissa Doman has been nagging me for years as well to get at least the D, if not the D in the I. I am working on at least starting some self-study, but you know, I'll, I'll accept that challenge, Tim. If you can talk to my boss and convince him to give me some of the time to take some of these classes without uh, getting you know, too, too underwater at the place so that I can't name. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to your boss. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Mr. Tucker, great to see you as always, buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to see more of what I'm doing, I am writing a new article for AV Nation on rental and staging, as well as some articles coming up in Sound and Contractor News. Otherwise, you can find me at Tucker Twos on Twitter. That is the best place. I'm happy to talk all the time. It's only 15,000 words. He cut it back a little bit. It's 1850, by the way. 18,000 words. No, 1,850. <laughs> all right. Don, thank you, ma'am. Encyclopedias. <laughs>
Look those up too, kids, on Wikipedia, what an encyclopedia <laughs> was. Dawn, thank you, ma'am. Is an encyclopedia just the Wikipedia? But like paper? <sighs> eh, sort of. <laughs> Only you, they, they hurt more if yeah. you hit your sister with it. Just not that I would know. Yeah, I was the sister, not Tim's, but uh, I feel, I feel that pain. <laughs> Getting serious for a moment. Uh, I cannot tell you where I work or how you can contact me at work. If you know, you know. If you don't, I can't tell you that. It's a secret. But you can always find me here on avnation.tv, appearing semi-regularly on the AV Week show and co-hosting with the lovely Kelly Perkins, the AV social show that comes out once a month. You can also find me on Twitter and most of the social stuff as at avdawn. And if you can't find me as at avdawn, if you're on LinkedIn or some of the stodgy stuff on social, I'm Dawn Mead. So find me there. And I look forward to talking to you. Thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, last but not least, uh, Todd uh, Hutchins, thank you for so much for um, USIS. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or USIS? Sure, yeah. So they can reach me at toddhutchins at usis.net. Um, and uh, I'm online all the time. They can reach me anywhere on the line. So uh, thank you very much for having me. And, uh, and pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by the website. Uh, don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, but Aviation.tv, that's Aviation.tv. We have a brand spanking new website. Um, all I did was say that looks pretty. Uh, other people did a whole lot of work. Yes, Tucker's shaking his head because he's no, he knows he's, I'm right. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. I'm really, really happy with it. Really, really proud of the folks. So check that out. Uh, actually, while we're doing it, let us know if something broke, dude, because uh, uh, I did have a hand in it, and it's possible that I broke something. So uh, let us know that if something's broke. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I broke something. Um, but go by the website. Also, check out our, our supporter section. We, these are the post, folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. So check all that out and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.